It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Auburn Podcast, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. Presented by Fetch Me Home Delivery. Use promo code FETCHME20 for your first delivery free. If you live in Auburn or Opelika, they're going to take care of you. You can get home from a long day's work and you realize, oh man, I don't want to leave the house or I don't have any food at home or anything you really want to eat and you want to treat yourself. You can have your family meal delivered in 40 minutes or less. It's still hot by the time it gets to you. It's fantastic. The folks are always friendly. And, yeah, just use the free Fetch Me app or use uh, their website, fetchmedelivery.com. And, once again, use promo code FETCHME20 for your first delivery free. I believe Painter Sharpless is going to be joining us uh, in a few minutes. He may crash in the studio. But, you know, I touched on this a little bit yesterday, and if you missed Michael and uh, my, we had an instant reaction show to Auburn's loss in the Outback Bowl. We had it right uh, right after the game ended yesterday and I touched on this a little bit but I just want to stress like it's it, <laughs> and I had a few people tweet at me as well because I, I was extremely confident going into the Florida game and Auburn's chances to win and I was extremely confident in Auburn's chances to beat Minnesota and man I was I whiffed I whiffed big time once again of course Minnesota winning 31 to 24 and it's such an interesting way of how how they lost because if you told me going into this game that Auburn scored 24 points, I would have said, okay, Auburn's going to win. Just looking at the Minnesota offense and Auburn's defense, I just assumed that the defense would be fired up and want to play hard for Derrick Brown and Marlon Davidson. And, you know, this senior-laden defense, I thought they'd want to go out strong, and they just looked tired towards the end of the game. They started out great with Javaris Davis getting that pick. I thought it was going to be a pick six for a second. But... You know, they do that. It's a three and out. They got to kick a field goal. And it just seemed like every time they made a solid stand, it was a three and out by the offense. And a lot of people are saying, you know, it was tired, it was time of possession. And my thing is, they've been dealing with that all year. So I really don't think that was it. I, I, I think there was a lack of motivation there. And I know a lot of the anti Gus bus people are going to say, hey, yeah, it's because Gus can't motivate a team. What now, two and four in bowl games? And so you look at it as like you killed a Purdue team last year, and then you won the Birmingham Bowl. And when you look at the bowl games that Auburn played in, so I, I think some pretty respectable bowls. The Outback Bowl twice, the Peach Bowl, and then um, the, the, the Sugar Bowl where Oklahoma cleaned you up pretty good. So you, you got to win some of those. You got to win some of those. Now, month off has not been good to Gus Malzahn, which is interesting because he's been so good in bowl games. But... There's um there's some interesting discussion throughout Auburn Twitter, and um, I'm curious to hear y'all's thoughts on this and and reach out however uh, whichever way you feel. But you know, does one game change how the future looks for this Auburn football program? And I think there's two um, there's two instances to look at. I think there's two games to look at here. As far as saying, you know, I I think it's interesting how we overreact to a game-by-game basis. Because the argument for, you know, hey, the future looks great is, well, the Outback Bowl, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. The only reason it means anything is because Auburn lost. 
but also, you know, one game. It's crazy how much one game changes the perception of things because the game before that was what? It was the Iron Bowl. And Auburn wins the Iron Bowl, and folks think, you know, everything, everything is, um, is, is honky-dory. Everything is great. So it's just amazing to me how one game can change the perception of what the next few years of this program looks like. And it goes both ways. It can be positive, like it was with the Iron Bowl, or it can be negative, like it is currently with the Outback Bowl. And I think natural expectations should be somewhere in the middle of those two. Obviously, Auburn pulled out all the stops in the Iron Bowl, and they didn't really pull out any stops outside of a, a weird Aaron Sipos fake punt and a bunch of you know Bo Nix lining up as the punter with Auburn you know, going for it and lining up on fourth down, which I was cool with that. I was fine with all of those. The, uh, the offensive play calling was interesting to me. The, uh, the constant reliance on needing to run the football, and I get that's the Malzahn thing, but at some point you just got to abandon the running game. You were not going to be able to run on Minnesota. You weren't. And Auburn wasn't able to. And it didn't matter if Booby Whitlow was in there, or DJ Williams, Sean Shivers on, you know, his outside zone or the jet sweep that they love to do with him. And it's just it's just gotten so predictable. And I really hope for Auburn's sake, and if you're listening to this show, just for your happiness moving forward, I really, really hope that Chad Morris has a big influence on the offense. Because if it continues to look like it did yesterday, it's gonna be an issue. But you, Auburn fans join the rest of America in being extremely bummed out because Outback is giving away free coconut shrimp today instead of a Bloomin' Onion. Can you agree with that, Painter Sharpless? I think so. This is not one that really upsets me. This is not an argument that I feel compelled to jump in. A lot of people are very passionate about this. I'm not. Are you a big Outback goer? Fair enough. Like, I do like Outback when I go. It's I probably average it about once every four years. So <laughs> it's not like I'm frequenting it. Okay. But when I go, the experience is more than adequate. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. You and I texted a little bit last night about this game. <laughs> How dumb were we? <laughs> I, was, I was a little hot when I sent you those messages. I think you're like, all right, guy, it's... Uh, it's not all that. But yeah, I was not thrilled. You know, I had said the, the word I used repeatedly over the last three weeks, Zach, was I thought that they should stamp this team. I really didn't think that if, and this was a similar analogy that I used last year, but it's not as drastic of a case. Like when Auburn was playing Purdue, it was just obvious that Purdue was at best an average team. Yeah. And on a bad day, they just really weren't very good. Right. Minnesota's not in this category because they beat a top five team, they played in a good conference. They won 11 games this year. So there's a lot about this team to, you know, it's a first basically for 115 years and a, and a, a number of firsts at that for P.J. Fleck. But this team does not have the talent that Auburn has. It does yeah. not have some of the experience Auburn has. So I was disappointed in a lot of ways. I was surprised. But I guess the more I thought about it, Zach, the frustrating thing was my surprise is my own fault. I set myself up for this failure. Yeah, you and I were texting about this. It's like, why would we assume otherwise at this point? Your wins in bowl games have come against bad teams. Memphis, when Paxton Lynch was the next greatest thing, and I admittedly do not know what I'm watching when I watch football, but I could tell you back then. I thought he was awesome. That Paxton Lynch was just not going to be that great of an NFL quarterback. I, I, I whiffed I, on that one big time. 
Big right. time. But anyway, anyway, I mean, you beat a Memphis team in the, wait for it, Birmingham Bowl, and then right. you beat a bad Purdue team in, wait for it, whatever bowl was in Nashville last year. What bowl was that? Music City. So, yeah, that's on me. Well, you weren't alone. I was right there with you. So I'm glad you guys brought this up. Uh, I felt like Michael Papp is joining us now. In retrospect, back from Texas. In retrospect, I felt like I should have gloated more on yesterday's podcast. You think so? Um, what was you his guys? Prediction? I thought Auburn would win, admittedly, but so I did you were not... wrong too. Yeah, but I. So you, you were guys, wrong too. You, guys you were just up... less wrong. Correct. You're going to gloat about yeah. being less wrong. Cor- yeah, very correct. Yes. You were the one that was pumping the brakes. Like for the last yeah. three weeks, you were the guy that was. But you like, still predicted them to win. That is correct. Less wrong though, so that's that's correct in my hedging, book. but successfully. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get zero percent APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, guys, let's um, let's answer uh, an email. And, and Painter, I think this question is kind of right up your alley. Oh, God. This is from Danny. No, it's a serious question. That <laughs> There was nothing negative intended okay. by that. Danny asked, and you can email the show, LockedOnAuburn at gmail.com. Guys, who do you think steps up at D-Tackle next year with Derek Brown leaving this year? War Eagle. Michael, you leaned right in the microphone. My, the guy I'm most eager to see is not at that position. It's Derek Hall playing yeah. end. He so looked good yesterday. That does not answer mm-hmm. the question, though. Michael, I'll let you take it because you seemed eager. Well, I was just looking at you because Zach was – but uh, I think the answer is Tyrone Truesdale. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty obvious. Uh, I think he is – a beast, and that next year we could see him take a step forward to become a dominant de- interior defensive lineman. I know he's different than Derek Brown. Derek Brown is, I don't want to say more nimble, but he seems to be. I mean, that's uh, a fair word choice for a guy that's that size and can still <laughs> do what he does. I think that's a good word choice, Michael. Yeah, I think Daquan Newkirk is an interesting situation. You know, if he can just stay healthy, healthy. that's the biggest question. You know, regarding they've uh, been Newkirk. excited about him once he's when he's available. Yeah, you know, but the last two years he's been battling all these injuries. Uh, I think Connus Miller is an interesting mm-hmm. player. I think he's going to play more of that three technique that Truesdale does. But can 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 Truesdale play? Where Derek Brown did. I think that's a question. Can he play nose guard? I don't have Can, the answer to that, but I do like that answer. That is, that is, if I'm a betting man, mm-hmm. that's where I go. In part because of, I, th- I think, what you just mentioned, the obvious part. Like, if Newkirk is healthy, it'll be fascinating to see how he contributes. But for me right now, the safe answer, I think, has to be the, the one Michael said. Yeah, but I mean, your boy yesterday off the end, he looked good. Yeah, he played yeah. a lot more. Reasons to be encouraged. And what did y'all think about the defense's performance? Because this is the first time all year that it was we, really bad. Yeah, and, and for the first time all year, Auburn fans found themselves at odds with the defense because it's the first time you went out there and went, you know, they didn't just carry you. Well, I, I said this before you guys came in, but if you told me going into it that Minnesota score uh, that Auburn scores twenty four points, to, I, I say Auburn wins, and that wasn't the case. That wasn't the case at all. So I'm, I, I, I wonder how much of it had to do with just being outplayed. It definitely didn't look like they wanted to be out there. I don't think they enjoyed playing defense. 
I and, wonder and, how much of those guys, they said they weren't going to play half speed, you know, and I, I get that answer. It seems like they did play yeah, half speed. Yeah, it seems like a lot of guys, especially who knew that they had things ahead of them, were moving at 85%. And I don't blame them because I was the one out in front saying, if I were Derek Brown or Marlon Davidson, I'd do the selfish thing and not play. Yeah. I wouldn't have played if I were in their shoes. But you play and talk about not wanting to go unless you're going to go full speed. And it, at least to me, I can't gauge them since I'm not there, obviously. But mm-hmm. it didn't look like the defense we watched for the last three months. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. All right, let's look at uh, let's look at some voicemails. You can call the Locked On Auburn podcast voicemail at 205-502-4285. This the um, I think the ones that we're playing today they're all kind of old, but I wanted to play this first one specifically just in response to okay, you can act like things are bad, you can act like things are terrible, but um, yeah, let's, let's play this voicemail. Hey Zach, this is Greg Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, huge fan of the show. I just want to talk about. What a massive signing day that Gus Malzahn and the staff had. Um, I'm ecstatic uh, bringing in Tisdall, you know, Reed, uh, Romello Height, all just massive, massive wins. The only, only miss of the day really was Dallas Walker, and that was that one hurt. But, uh, I mean, I think we ended up going four out of five on potential targets. So that's huge. If Gus can close out with um, – Broderick Jones in February, and uh, if he gets him, and then if we can lock down maybe McKinley Jackson, I think this is probably the best overall class Gus has ever had. Uh, one of the better overall classes, period. But uh, just super proud of the staff. What a what an amazing day. Signing day typically is not a fun day for Auburn. There's usually flips. We didn't have anybody flip against us. I mean, uh, it was a good day. I almost quit my job. I was so happy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you guys keep up the great work. Love the show. War down, Eagle. Thanks, Greg. I I play that one first because I think Auburn would rather have their signing class and lose the Outback Bowl than win the Outback Bowl and lose lose on some of those guys. Yeah, the the, the game is just frustrating. It's it doesn't actually matter. But it matters in that you, if you're competitive, you want to win. And if you if you want an opportunity to beat another 10-win team, and I think we can get to this, but Auburn played, what, like, was it half a dozen 11-win teams this year? It's crazy. Alabama, LSU, Florida, Georgia, mm-hmm. Minnesota. Am I leaving any? Oregon. So, yeah. like, that's pretty insane. That's wild. Um, but you're right. And then to see the other point, I think it is his best class, hands down, since he's been the head coach at Auburn. Some people will point to that 2014 season. Uh, which would make a lot of sense, but in hindsight, and we don't have this yet for this year's class, so many of those guys did not pan out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Quick so, question. Sure. Is Chandler Morris a senior right now? I believe he's he being recruited. I believe he's I believe he's a senior being recruited, but I'll check on that. You're talking about Morris's son. Who's- Chad Morris's son. Okay, that's what I thought. And then he obviously didn't sign, and no one was really talking about him on signing day, and I was like, maybe I've just been wrong this whole time, and he's a junior. 
and whatever. And then I know, think he's a twenty twenty guy. I do too. I thought pa- I, Painter's checking on that. I thought he was coming, and that's why people were yeah, he's like, "He's a twenty twenty guy, uh, dual threat, four star." So it and from what I've seen, people think Auburn's got a pretty good shot of, at him. Well, he, he was committed to Arkansas if, to play for his dad. That's what I was going to say. If for no other reason than his dad is employed by the yeah, and I, and I think a lot of people say, "Well, his dad probably won't be here by the time he's a starter." I think that's okay. Like you're you're already family friends with the head coach, and the offenses are similar, and. You've seen a coach's son come in as a freshman and have some success for whatever that is worth. So I, I would say, uh, on top of that, Auburn is in a position that a lot of schools are in, where you go after. Although he's a four star for whatever that is also worth, but I think he visited Oklahoma recently too. Mm-hmm. And if I'm a quarterback at Oklahoma, why would wants you not? me? I'm going to play football at Oklahoma. Interesting, you say that because their five star quarterback recruit is decommitted, and right. his mom graduated from Auburn. So that's interesting. And and then also I would say like schools like Auburn. There's top tier. Well, we can debate about the whole top tier thing, but most schools in the SEC that are competing for championships and other conferences are going to have to start having backup plans at quarterback. And I think not to diss him, but that's kind of what this is. Like if you can get a three star or a four star guy who's committed and willing to stick around and knows he's not going to come in and start right away. I think in the age of seeing quarterbacks leave, it's a really smart move. All right, we got a voicemail about the running back situation, and I think that is a, a big issue that we saw on the field yesterday. So let's let's take a listen. Hey guys, this is Ben from North Georgia. Uh, so I had a couple of questions for you on coaching. How long do we give Carnell Williams in the future? Considering this is now two straight seasons. Granted, it's his first season as running back coach, but how many years do we give him before? the lack of a thousand yard production or a back without a thousand yards is basically time to move on and find somebody else new. I mean, we're going on two years now. Uh, also, um, don't you think Cody Burns should get a whole lot more credit for what he's doing considering that we used to have significant problems with wide receivers dropping balls. And now we've had very good production for at least two or three straight years out of the wide receiver groups that he's uh, coached in. And also, one last uh, thing just to throw out there since y'all uh, you know, are media, obviously. But if you ever need a feel-good story, the new incoming tackle, uh, Brendan Coffey, coming from California, mm-hmm. he's from the town that burned down last year in the campfire in 2018. Wow. Uh, where the entire town was wiped out, 95% of it, all the structures were burned. So if you ever need something to kind of poke around on, he'd be a good one to do. Anyways, War Eagle, hope you all have a good good Christmas. Hey, thank you so much, and uh, I think that was Ben, so I appreciate that. So, yeah, the first thing, how, how long with Carnell Williams as far as Auburn not having 1,000-yard rushers the past two seasons? Um, you know, obviously we only need to judge him on this, on this past season. I think his starter, Booby Willow, I, I don't think he's an SEC running back. I think he is an athlete that was just kind of forced there. And then you look at it, and it's like DJ Williams, a true freshman, we saw glimpses of how good he could be, and I, I kind of think if DJ Williams would have started the whole year, um, he would have had a chance to be a 1,000-yard rusher. But with this offensive line, to an extent, it doesn't really matter who you have back there. Mm-hmm. Unless he's an extremely special player, there just wasn't space, and there's not a whole lot of guys that are good at creating their own space consistently in the SEC, and especially against you know Painter Mitch and all the, the 10-win teams that Auburn played this year. So I'm willing to give him a little bit of a pass 
there, especially since these aren't his running backs. I think once once Tank Bixby's back there, I think it changes a little bit. So I, I don't think the problem is the running backs, and I think that answer that question, the, the answer to that question matters in that. What's the rest of the team doing? Are they a more pass happy team like they were this year? Are there yeah. multiple backs? Or are you leaning on one guy? Like if if it had been a healthy Booby Whitlow all year and there had been no DJ Williams, I'd probably be disappointed if he didn't get to a thousand yards. Sure. However, if he the, got hurt. He was on pace for a thousand yeah. yards and then and, when he got just, injured. They're starting to shift their philosophy. I mean, Trey Mason had forty two carries or something in one game a few Ooh. years ago. Like they're just probably not as likely Cameron Petway against Mercer had like thirty four. I don't think that they're as likely to do that anymore. So that hurts you. I'm less concerned about the thousand yards as I am about how productive is the offense and how productive is the group as a whole. Yeah. Uh, then the Cody Burns comment, you know, I've said this before, you know, before you know, I, I said if Auburn was going to promote from within as far as addressing the offensive coordinator thing, obviously Chad Morris was a, was a home run hire. But if they were to promote from within, we did a show on this. I think it was with you, Michael. You know, my, my pick was was Cody Burns. I, I really like what he's done so far from recruiting, from scheme. And then I think the wide receivers at Auburn are getting better I wish they could all stay healthy more with Will Hastings and Eli Stove and you know Anthony Schwartz missing a few games here and there. So I would have liked to have seen that. Seth Williams' development has been awesome. Now, how much of that is Cody and how much of that is Seth Williams as being a really good receiver, I don't think we'll ever fully know. But I am, I am excited to see some of these young receivers get better, especially next year when it looks like the offense is going to be more pass-heavy. What are y'all's thoughts on what Cody Burns has done? I don't know how much, like... Uh... Like he, the the caller specifically referred to um, the receivers catching the ball more. Uh, I'm not sure how much of that is on Cody and how much of that is on the receivers that are playing now versus a couple years ago, just having better hands. Um, but I do like that Auburn is getting receivers. Yeah, and in the past, and in the past, they would get get like athletes mm-hmm. and, and put them and, at and put them put them at receiver. So I, I think that's a big difference for sure. Definitely. I mean, you're bringing in guys who've run routes. You know, by the time they leave, they'll have run routes for seven years. Yeah. For most of them. So hopefully uh, hopefully that can continue. I don't know the ins and outs of the position of running routes of, you know, the the what someone adds, like Shedrick Jackson, where he's... But, but, but the bottom line is, is you okay, that guy can get open. Like, yeah. That's, and, that's the bottom line. And so my biggest contention point is I see one guy doing that. I see Seth Will, and then it's like one read. Even someone like me, who's got a pretty limited analysis, can tell you that he's often, or at least it seems. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like he's looking for Seth Williams. And if Seth isn't there, then the second option, if it's a completion, it's like I can't believe they completed that. Mm-hmm. It's it seems like he, and I'm not so worried. Like people, are like he's not going through his progressions. Like one, he's a freshman. Two, that's not super uncommon in college. You don't do that in college. And, the and the coaching the, staff doesn't want and you. And the to. offense, the, Malzahn's not asking him to do that. So he's not Tom Brady, right? Um, but also, like, can can someone else be consistent? And can someone else be a consistent pass catcher? It's that simple. Like people say, well, Schwartz is when he gets opportunities. I agree. I, and I don't, you know, maybe that's on Gus and the offensive staff, but. It doesn't. For some reason, they're hesitant to give him the ball in big games, and I don't know if it's something like that fumble in the Iron Bowl was part of it. And then he, you know, I don't know. It's, it's weird to me. There seems to be one reliable receiver on this team right now. I have a question: Does Seth Williams get open? Because it seems to me like the majority of the time they throw him the ball, 
it is on those that's back shoulder fade reps. I don't know. Do you you do the film analysis at your Twitter a lot? And that's a good point. Like one of the first drive of the game, they threw the ball to him in the end zone because they had what eleven yard field to score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. I think the ball got battled away. So like, is he open? A lot. I don't know. I don't know what kind of separation he gets. His freshman year. I mean, some guys need less separation than others. Yeah. But, I, look, I mean, it's easier for Seth Williams to get open than, than it is for other guys. I mean, that's definitely an element of it. I like. I'm not trying to hate. I mean, he's obviously had a very very good season. He's got great hands. He's has got really good body control to go up and get the ball. But I just kind of feel like a lot of times when we talk about him, it sounds like he's like wide open all the time. And I think that he makes a lot of very good contested catches yeah. and a lot of times he's running those comeback routes those are definitely the ones that you remember but mm-hmm. i mean i i think there's a lot of the times where you know it's an eight yard gain and like nobody was nobody was near him that's true i guess that's i'm true. excited about the players that they've recruited at wide receiver i just haven't seen it amount to much like there are yeah. players who i'm excited about when you watch their tape in high school and you go man you know i could really see javarius johnson or matthew hill or eli stove or seth what, williams what about shedrick jackson i mean they've they've wanted him on the field this year they they trust him blocking mm-hmm. and in the past that gets you on the field it gets you opportunities I want to see. I want to. If, if I had to pick a guy that has the biggest difference in like receiving yards from this year and next year, to me, I'm picking Shedrick Jackson. That, yeah, that's I that, agree. that's the guy I'm going with. I think I would go with someone like Javarius Johnson. It's a little bit hard to do that because like I'm predicting that out of someone we haven't seen. Like at least Shedrick Jackson's on the field, and it seems yeah. like Bo Nix is trying to throw to him, even though his greatest asset right now seems to be blocking. Bo Nix likes to throw it his way. Yeah. So I, I don't think that's a bad choice. I think I would guess towards someone we just haven't seen as much from and i'm still disappointed about matthew hill last year it's wild all the conversation was about him being the freshman wide receiver that stepped up great for seth that that turned out to be him instead but i thought okay now you add matthew hill into the mix with seth williams i thought it would be a really nice pairing painter where can people find you and hear you brother please listen to the lunch break on espn 1067 if you like this podcast i think you will enjoy what it is justin and i talk about zach and michael join us and also, you can hear that at ESPNAU.com, the ESPN 1067 app, and I'm at Paint Sharpless on Twitter. And on Saturday, you and I will be reunited yes. again after the game basketball edition. Yes. You and I will be broadcasting live from the Auburn Hotel following each and every um, each and every Auburn basketball game that's every every Saturday. So I guess what is like the next eight weeks, nine weeks, something like that? Yeah, we've got the, the Auburn game in Starkville, so you're probably not going. If you are, Bruce brought this up, a good opportunity to get tickets is actually away games because Auburn's selling out <laughs> right. a lot of their, their home games. But if you're going to be in town, swing by the hotel in downtown, have a beverage with us. I forget, what's the name of that pasta? Is it pasta carbonara that you and yes. I like? I'm not sure oh if I'm pronouncing gosh. it. Oh my gosh, it's but so good. Anyway, anyway. Yeah, yeah, we'll be there. Michael, where can people find you here, you boss? Uh, follow me on Twitter, at CouchPapTato. I just want to paint a picture for everyone here in the room really fast before we leave. Zach showed up today in what appears to be a new, very nice-looking Patriots my quarter yep. zip. Yep. It is a good Beautiful. Quarter zips are great. And across the table, we got Painter Sharpless, who has showed up to work very in one of the cooler hats I've seen in a while. Bill's Mafia. Shout out to the Paul Chesky Which has man. Bill's Mafia. You guys going to fight after this? No, uh, I think the Bills will beat the Texans, and I think the Titans will beat the Patriots. So the Bills will go farther in the postseason than New England this year. I am mm. so fascinated about the Pats, because it's it, like until they lose, I'm not going to say what you just said. I think they're going to get killed on Saturday. They might, Zach. They might. But you know what? I'm not going to do that to myself. Yeah, fair enough.
All right, where can people find you and hear you, bud? Follow me on Twitter at CouchPapTato. Love it. Follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnAuburn. Follow me on Twitter at Z Blackerby. This has been another edition of the Locked On Auburn Podcast. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.